Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never, ever about food or weight. Never, ever. Not even. One time. Not ever. Ever, ever. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Laura Lee Rourke. This is the It's Not About Food podcast. And today we're talking about faith. We're going to have faith that we can talk about faith today. And the front of the card is the goddess is walking on a tightrope. Underneath her is the village, and she's on the rope above it with her umbrella and her balance arm out. And of course, the deer is just walking along. (laughs) The little deer animal has her nose to the tightrope and all four legs. So I do feel that for me, sometimes that's how having faith means is we're sort of walking on that very thin line. But what the card says in the back is faith is trusting that there is a loving source of which you are a part. Having faith means that you can let go of fear and tight control and trust that there is great wisdom within you and around you allowing yourself to breathe and listen for spiritual guidance. Having faith means that even though the recovery process may become difficult and dark, you can trust that you will also find the grace and the light. For me, what this card meant for my own recovery and stuff that I have gone through and have had to have faith that I would get through it is that idea of letting go of fear and tight control and do whatever that was in my heart and soul to do, do that anyway, and know that I could gather within me the wisdom to do it. I didn't know how to go through the door until I was at the door. I couldn't see what was the end game. I always wanted to sort of a telegram from God to say, you're on the right path, (laughs) but it doesn't work that way. I had to just feel that I was on the right path or feel that this was a path and to follow it and to be okay with wherever it took me, which um, was very hard until I trusted and had faith in myself and in my process and in my body and in my heart and soul. I had to let go of what I thought other people wanted me to do or even told me that they wanted me to do. I had to let go of my past and my future and just stay in the moment, which was very hard for me. John Bradshaw tells a great story. We didn't know how to get through our childhood until we went through it, and we couldn't get out of it at the time. Like we couldn't come into our family house with our little tiny suitcase as a little tiny kid and say, Mom and Dad, I'm going to move down the street because you guys are crazy. (laughs) We had to just tough it out and be okay with whatever it is in order to get big enough, then we could leave maybe. 
But we can have faith in ourselves that we don't have to put up with situations that make us sick, that we can let go of the fear and the stuckness and move into where is it that makes us feel at home or or healthy or loved or in compassion. I have just a wonderful doctor with me today who is just has done such great work in the field of eating disorders. And I'll let her tell us what she's doing and how she has had to work with faith in her practice, but also in her own life. So I will turn the show over to you now, Sarah, to just tell us what up with you. Thanks, Lauralee. Well, it's such a pleasure to be here, and I feel really honored that you asked me to come on. This is a especially near and dear topic and card for me, personally and professionally, even more so now during this pandemic, but even prior. So I guess... I will start with what I'm doing now, and that relates to how I have experienced faith in the past several years. So I was pretty miserable several years ago as a doctor, and I had done some work for independent doctors here and there, but had mostly been trying to take care of patients with eating disorders within the context of larger primary care practices and working for large you know, corporate organizations where I had 15 minutes to see a patient and I was expected to see a certain quota of patients and bill a certain number of hours. And I was just really, really disheartened with that model and feeling like it really wondering why I even went into medicine, going home at the end of the day, feeling like I really didn't have the time that I wanted to connect with people and really questioning my whole professional path. And also really looking at my personal life and what I wanted out of my marriage and what I wanted in terms of to have children or not. I have two stepchildren, but I don't have any biological children. And I was just in a really stuck place. And I was walking by a synagogue in San Rafael, and I grew up with two Jewish parents and went to Sunday school as a young girl. But when I was nine years old, my mother died, and she was sort of the glue that was holding together the the Sunday school and pretty much all of our... (laughs) all of our plans, daily life. So we pretty much stopped practicing Judaism with the exception of maybe Hanukkah and Passovers here and there. So I had really not experienced that for a long time. And walking by the synagogue a couple of years ago, I just felt compelled to walk in. And I walked into this beautiful space with these high ceilings and these stained glass windows with the light shining in. And it was really like a divine moment for me. I just felt like I was meant to be there for some reason. Yeah. It's like an epiphany. Yeah. And someone walked up to me, greeted me, and and then invited me to come to a service that Friday. So I went by myself. I sat by myself and people were really welcoming, felt warm, felt safe. 
And all of a sudden, all of the hymns and the Hebrew, which I understood none of, at that time I, I spoke no Hebrew, but it somehow really resonated in my soul and really kind of, I had a really experience where I felt something larger than myself, you know, and I felt connected to something greater. And I had had that experience at times in the past. I trained to be a yoga instructor about seven years ago. And through that crown chakra and some of the meditations around that, I had that experience. But that was really profound for me. This was more profound for me, I think, because it also was rooted in my history as a child. There's something visceral about it. So fast forward a few months, and I just really started to develop an interest in a religious expression of a connection to faith. And so I actually decided to have an adult bat mitzvah. Oh, and how fun. <laughs> I, yeah, and so I learned Hebrew, and I learned how to chant, and I learned how to read from the Torah, and I had this, and as part of my, I was given a portion of the Torah to interpret, and the portion I was given was dependent around my birthday, which is my birthday is September 30th, and it's the beginning of the Jewish year. It's the very, very beginning of the Torah. So I was given the story of creation as my Torah portion, and I had to write about the meaning of it for my life. And in that process, I also had to do some meditation and prayer. And and in that process, I really uncovered that I needed a new beginning in my life and came to terms with letting go of a lot of things that I had been holding on to, to do with my the safety and security of working for big organizations, Mm -hmm. um, some of the patterns that I was in with my husband, the idea that I had to have a child of my own. Mm -hmm. And I just allowed myself space to kind of dream. And in my piece, I wrote about that and then spoke it at my bat mitzvah. And nothing really happened. You know, I, I just sort of gave myself kind of permission to begin again. And nothing really happened for maybe six months. And then I I started to have ideas about starting my own practice, starting my own medical practice. And I thought, where am I going to find the money? Where am I going to find the money to do that? It's unrealistic. There's all these reasons why it won't work. Running a business is crazy. The rent in Marin is astronomical. There's so many barriers, right? So I kind of was making a lot of excuses. And then this is sort of a long story, but it's it's pretty interesting. It's so great. I think that's right around when I met you. Yeah. So I remember it was November. It was a couple of years ago, right around Thanksgiving, right around this time. I decided to go to my safe deposit box and I had moved to Marin when I got married from the East Bay and I still had a safe deposit box in the East Bay. And so I drove over to Oakland and to get some things out of my safe deposit box. And there was this funky ring in the safe deposit box that my grandmother had given me. And I thought, you know, I'm never going to wear this ring. I think I'm going to take it to the jewelry and sell it. Mm-hmm. And so I brought this ring down to one of the main jewelers in Marin 
And lo and behold, I found out that it was a original Salvador Dali ring. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and my, I was very close to my grandmother. My grandmother was my mom's mom mm-hmm. and we called her Boo Boo. And she basically emotionally raised me growing up. So they said, you might want to take this to someplace and get it appraised, yeah. <laughs> uh, someplace like an art dealer. So I did. And through a series of events, I found out that this ring was worth a lot of money. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's a beautiful story. (laughs) I ended up flying to New York City and auctioning this ring (gasps) at Sotheby's Auction House in Manhattan. Yeah. And I sat there while the bids were going up in the room with my mouth shut. Yeah. Just watching the bids go higher and higher and higher to the point that I had $130,000, enough to start my practice. Of course. Of course. Thank you, Grandma. Thank you, Dolly. (laughs) Yeah. So I came back to Marin and I hadn't thought right away, I'll use this money to start the practice. I thought, you know, this is nice. I'll put this in away and it'll grow for me. And, you know, it's really nice to have this. And then the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, this happened for a reason. And there was an opening here, and, and this is a sign. And your grandmother would want you to do something. My grandmother worked for Planned Parenthood for many, mm. many, many years, and then she was a hospice volunteer. She was very influential in, in terms of my career and my ethic and with my patients. So I decided to use the money to start the practice, and it's really changed my life. And it'll be two years in January that I have my practice and I get to see patients exactly as I want to and spend as much time as I want to with them. And it's incredibly fulfilling. You know, I feel like I'm living my life rather than just, I don't know, living someone else's plan. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm... When you're It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. Rich flavor is one of your favorites. You'll want to join me on the wine road. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Welcome to Swirl, the wine show for people who know. Storygram Network. Yeah, you know, almost sounded like a lawyer in a way, the billable hours instead of what you're really working on. Or that's the thing about the corporation, right? Yeah. So that's one piece of how faith has influenced me. And I continue to integrate practices, meditation practices, prayer practices and rituals and things in my life. And they help me. But in terms of others and how the concept of faith has influenced my care, not just now during the pandemic, but also during the pandemic, I would say that the idea of clutching to what's known, holding on for dear life to old habits and the fear of letting go and and allowing things to unfold that those are really fundamental 
principles that are worth getting at for people struggling with eating issues. And on a biological level, when you repeat a habit over and over and over, it really evolutionarily, we're hardwired for that to get ingrained in our brain patterns. You know, our brain gets used to repeating these old habits over and over. So it's not just psychologically that it's scary to move away from the habits and the things, keeping control over over eating and over many aspects of our life, but also that there's a restructuring of the brain that has to happen too. Yeah. So, you know, I recognize in myself and in other people that when it comes to a lot of things, when we hold on to things we know and we try to control aspects of our life as, as a coping mechanism, and for some period of time, they work maybe for us. And then there comes a time when they don't. And then at that point, there has to be a letting go. And so I think this concept is really relevant to just the care of people who are struggling with, with eating issues. But now it's even more relevant for all of us because there's so much uncertainty. I mean, the whole world is uncertain right now. And you know, our financial futures are uncertain. Our physical safety is uncertain. Our normal social patterns, the future of that is uncertain. And it's, I think, for our myself, holidays, and I, our holidays are uncertain. Holidays are uncertain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think for myself, and I know I have seen this in my patients and I see it in myself, there's trying to clutch to what we can control. Something, you know? something. Trying to yeah. clutch to something that will make us feel like we've got it under control. Right. And the flip side of that is acceptance that we don't have control and giving ourselves the freedom to allow whatever is going to unfold to unfold. And it's interesting because when I've been working with patients struggling with eating issues, I have seen sort of a dichotomy happening between people who are really doing a lot worse and some people who are surprisingly doing better. And I think it has something to do with we're in this situation that's forcing us to, eat, to sort of make a choice between letting go or clutching on tighter. And so but you can see the direction in which someone's compelled by how it plays out in their eating and, and in other things. Yeah. So my job recently, I feel like, although I'm a medical doctor and my main role is always to make sure people are safe and they don't, you know, have cardiac complications or electrolyte abnormalities or all that, I see people as much more holistic than just their medical physical state. And I also see their physical state is very influenced by their spiritual and emotional well-being. So I have been kind of expanding how I am working with people to really try to help them create space for themselves to be okay with the unknown. And that to me is about finding some connection to something higher and it doesn't have to be like me, you know, through a religious practice. I know that's not for everyone, but it could be simply walking outdoors and looking at the beautiful changes in the colors of the leaves 
and recognizing that the sun is coming down and nourishing us and yeah. you know just something an, bigger. acknowledging that there's something greater than us out there yeah yeah or it could be you know playing with your puppy and realizing the watching how animals really live more in the moment and they don't get caught up in the same kind of fear that human beings do yes <laughs> um, exactly so it's kind of a different for every person where they find that sense of comfort and knowledge of something greater than than us but i think it's really really key right now it is i'm so glad to have you on today cuz this will be out in january but to me that just to have a talk about how uncontrollable we all feel of our lives, of our very existence. And of course, that's always been there. I mean, none of us came with a little tag. And this person will leave on (laughs) 11-22-2020. We don't know. It could happen any minute. But with this virus, and then how is that going to mutate? And is it here for a long time? Or why won't people wear their damn mask? And, you know, we're... We're just reaching for any kind of little kind of control that we can have. And there is none. This is on the air. You know, we can't see it. We can't smell it. We can't touch it. And, um, I mean, we can do things that we think are going to keep us safe, but really we can't control it at all. And I think about with my eating disorder, the more I tried to control my eating disorder, the worse it got. It wasn't until I just let go of it and said, you know, I'm going to trust and have faith in my body that it knows how to eat. It might not really jump right in because I kind of destroyed my intuitive eating for a while until it kind of got its mojo back and came back in. But, you know, I'm going to have faith in my body that it knows what to do. And I'm going to have faith in myself that I can recover because I didn't have any faith that I could. And I'm going to have faith in the people around me that are telling me that I have to eat more than I want to, (laughs) or I have to take tests that I don't want to, or I have to listen to things I don't want to, and uh, get out of my head that was telling me the same thing over and over again, which was, you're not thin enough. And how great that you're there to help them, and how great that you took that leap of faith yourself. And I swear to God, a lot of the time, you know, if we just follow the path that will show us where to go and the money will be there, the space will be there, the time will be there, the energy will be there, the learning will be there, the teaching will be there. We have to have faith that we're on the right path. And uh, just love that story so much. Thank you. Interestingly, I I happened to be reading a book about sort of the unknown. And last night I did a little labyrinth practice. It's like a, it's like a labyrinth on a piece of paper and you follow it with your finger. And it was just a really wonderful reminder that we think we know where we're going and then life takes us in other directions. There's a little turn. We still end up, (laughs) yeah, we still end up getting to where we need to be. So I think that this concept applies to so many things and certainly to the recovery process, recovery from anything really, giving up something that you have held on to 
for security and a feeling of safety and control is incredibly terrifying. It is. We're not a culture that says, let go. We're a culture that says, hold on. (laughs) Hold on to everything. Don't let go of it. Get more stuff. So if you were able to talk to your younger self, this girl or young woman who had just lost her mom and or maybe even before that, or whatever, that you knew that if you could go back and talk to her and say, listen, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. It's gonna, we're going to get through this. What would you say to her about her life and what's going to happen to her? And how can she have faith in herself? Yeah, that's a really good question. For me, I do think that when my mom died is a good time to go back. That is the right time. That's the time when I I lost faith, right? Because here's your ultimate source of security in the world and just gone. And my mom died in an accident, so she was gone very quickly. Oh, so no time to prepare at all. One day there and one day gone. Right. My reaction to that at the time was that I needed to make sure everyone else was okay. No one else was going anywhere. (laughs) And so you can see how that played out in my life, becoming a doctor, because I was constantly looking out for my dad and constantly looking out for my sister and trying to make sure that you know no one else was going to die and everybody was going to be okay. And it was my job to do that in my mind. And that's a lot of burden to carry for a young person. It is. Even a lot of burden to carry for an adult person. Anyone. So to this day, I feel I struggle with, it's my job to make sure that everybody is safe and taken care of. And that's, that's a heavy, heavy weight to carry sometimes. So I think I would say to myself that it's not my fault, that it's, that it's not my responsibility to make sure that everyone else isn't going to die. Yeah, like you can be in charge of that. Yeah, that it's okay to take care of yourself and to live your life. Isn't it interesting that you became a doctor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So those are still current struggles, quite frankly. Yeah. That balance is still hard for me. Yeah. I'm sure it is. space to to take care of myself as well. And I literally am responsible for people's lives now. But I would say that to myself as a little girl, that I would give myself permission to listen to my heart and follow my heart without the burden of worry and fear. And then to have faith. I think about... uh... I have to have faith that people have their own path and I'm not their higher power. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not God. I'm not in control. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a helper. I'm of service, but they will go wherever they go. And, you know, I had to learn that myself very early. I often say that I was a small adult taking care of a large child. I was of service to my mom. She was not able to take care of herself very well, and I had to grow up pretty quick. And um, so I had to many thousands of times in my recovery have to say, I am not responsible for her life. She's going to live her little life, and I'm going to 
be there to support her, but I'm, I cannot live it for her because then I don't live mine. And who's living mine? <laughs> you know, I'm just yeah. flailing around or whatever. And I had to have that faith when I didn't have much faith about me or anybody else, really. I didn't. I just thought if I needed to control the situation at all times. So if there's anything that you would like to kind of put out in the world, you have a we're here on a podcast that gets listened to by a lot of people, which I'm so grateful for. Is there anything that you would like to say to people for right now? I do think that this is all happening for a reason in my mind, as much as it's hard to say that so many people are dying for a reason. Yeah, it's a hard one. I think that this is a very significant time in our history and and it is really an opening for each of us to go deeper and to ask ourselves how we truly, truly want to live our lives and to go and do that with this one precious life. And that is about faith. It's often about making a change that goes against the status quo, but it's sort of like to me, and I imagine other people resonate with this, it's sort of like, this is a wake-up call that this is the one precious life we get. We better live it. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, what Mary Oliver says. What are you going to do with your one wild life? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing I think is just being still. I found that it's really easy to stay we're all so somehow have become so, so busy. It seems universal. And I think some of it is maybe anxious, frenetic energy too. And I think taking a few moments every day to just be still goes a really far way towards being able to hear yourself and hear what you really want in that moment and your larger life, what your body wants, what your soul wants. Yes. And then, and you have to be still in order to hear it because it's very soft. <laughs> Unless you don't pay attention to it, then it gets louder and louder until you get hit on the head with something like, you better stop right now. <laughs> so sweet. So do you have the card that you could read the bottom part of it, the today I will? Today I will have faith that I am being held with the greatest love, reverence, wisdom, and respect. When I am fearful or controlling, I will breathe, let go, and be open to the learning available to me through this experience. Oh, yes. And that's exactly what you've been talking about so beautifully. So thank you so much for being on the show today and taking uh, time out of your life and your work life and your personal life and being on the show with me. And I really, really do appreciate it. And um, so grateful for you. Of course. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I just wish everyone well. And yeah, we're going to get through this. Somehow. We're going to get through this time. It's really a pleasure and honor. Thank you. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening, and be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.